Welcome to the Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. Over the last 20 years, codes of conduct have undergone an evolution. Originally written as textbook size rule books, codes now seek to be visually engaging, readable, and useful guides to employees to help them do the right thing. Codes have also shifted their organizational priorities. Rather than covering all manner of what you can and cannot do, today's codes aim to illustrate values-based principles of what you should and should not do. But these changes are no small task. How can organizations ensure they are designing and implementing their codes to deliver effective and meaningful change? Hello, and welcome to another episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Walton, Senior Ethics and Compliance Advisor at LRN. Today, I'm joined by Carmen Jandasek, the Director of Ethics and Total Rewards at Arizona Public Service. We're going to be talking about how APS reinvented their code of conduct to better reflect their organization's culture, values, and employee experiences. Carmen has dedicated more than 26 years of her career to shaping the culture, ethics, and compliance at APS, and has real insight into how the company has evolved as a result of its new code of conduct. Carmen, thanks for joining us on the Principled Podcast. Thanks. I'm just delighted to be here today. Wonderful. Just to start out, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came into the ethics and compliance field. I'm always fascinated at how the journeys that we've all taken to to get here. Absolutely. And mine was absolutely not the traditional way of coming out of college and then, you know, going into an ethics and compliance uh, career field. I came to work for APS in 1996, and I spent the first 15 years of my career there on the human resources team. And at that point in time, I was really ready for a change. I spent really primarily my time in the space of total rewards, compensation and benefits. And I wanted to look at some other areas where I could expand my career also. An opening came up in our ethics office and I immediately fell in love with the work. You know, in ethics, you have such an opportunity to not only reinforce and build ethical culture, but the ability to really be the voice of employees and the ethical coach for leaders. So it's a really unique role that I have purview and sight to our entire organization. So I can identify trends or issues in one area of the organization and use that as a preventative opportunity and strategy to counsel and coach the rest of the organization. So from my perspective, ethics and compliance work is rich, it's never dull, And it's highly underrated. I think ethics and compliance organizations are the backstop to good governance at any organization. 
Yeah, no, that's great. I couldn't agree more. I think your unique background is really a wonderful add to the ethics and compliance community. And it's always fascinating to me to see kind of the the multifunctional and the variety and diversity of backgrounds of ethics and compliance professionals. And it only adds to our effectiveness. So thanks so much for that. Wondered if you could also just kind of set the stage a little bit by giving us a little bit of background about Arizona Public Service for those who might not know much about your company. Sure. So at APS, we are a subsidiary of Pinnacle West Capital Corporation. We have roughly 6,000 employees and we serve 11 of the state's 15 counties. We're, you know, we're headquartered in Phoenix, but we are serving primarily the entire state of Arizona. In fact, more than 1.3 million homes and businesses are served by us. And we've made some very bold commitments. We're committed to providing 100% clean, carbon-free electricity to customers by 2050, and we are well on our journey to doing so. We are 50% clean energy today. We also run Palo Verde Generating Station, the nation's largest clean energy producer that is west of Phoenix. And that's really the foundation of our future of carbon-free energy. Well, that's all very exciting. And I know a big part of the commitments that APS is making, you know, were instrumental in wanting to rewrite and redesign your code of conduct. And we like to talk about reinventing a code of conduct. So what were the key drivers that, you know, led you and the the company to want to undertake this project? Absolutely. And it's been an interesting journey because I also was involved in rewriting the code that we had prior to this code rewrite. So we were coming off of a code that was based on policy and procedure that was framed in policy and procedure. And we had a couple key kind of moments that really culminated in the work that we decided to do. First, we just went through a CEO change, right? And the CEO change, the CEO, Jeff Goldner, launched a significant culture change throughout the organization. So we wanted to make sure that all of what we were presenting in our code of ethical conduct embodied what that culture change was. And part of the culture change was all about being customer-centric focus, right? And I fully believe that in order to really deliver on the customer experience, you have to deliver on the employee experience, right? So providing frictionless delivery and service and providing information in a way that is easy for our employees to utilize. So really what we were doing is from a company perspective, building from the customer backwards to make sure they had a great experience. And I wanted to do the same thing from the code, making our employees, which basically the customer of our product kind of front and center. We also, as I just talked about, embarked on the bold new energy commitment to be 100% clean by 2050. And that is really the backbone of the strong purpose that we have. And that needed to be really woven through all of the different documents and all of the different components of the Code of Ethical Conduct. And so all of that kind of came together and culminated in us realizing that our current code was not going to help us bring those things to life. It was not going to allow us to bring and and kind of capture all of the change that was happening to us as an organization. So we knew that we couldn't just iterate what we had today. We had to completely reinvent that code to support these key initiatives and align with our cultural direction. 
So any of us that have gone through a code rewrite, update, reinvention, we know that it can be a daunting prospect. So I'm just wondering if you might be able to just walk us through the process a little bit. So now you've decided that you wanted to update the code. How did you actually go about it? So, you know, daunting is pretty much an understatement. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But very frankly, the LRN team made it, the complicated seem really easy for us. So we had to collaborate with over 30 different stakeholders and reviewers at APS. And, you know, it's never easy when you have that many editors, right? Kind of pulling all of those people together and capturing all of their comments to make sure that that code was reflective of the important components that they had responsibility over. But all of the timing lined up. We had just deployed Microsoft Teams and we created a team site and had the reviewers put input into one master document. And then I, as the final editor, either accepted or kept the comments that they had added. Interestingly enough, and I have done this now a number of times where I've had to have really large documents with multiple stakeholders. We did something different this time. I had one of my colleagues go through and for every comment we didn't accept, we wrote a narrative as to why and sent it back to that person. And I have never received as many thank yous as I did by saying, wow, that's pretty awesome. Thanks for letting me know why you didn't accept that many times I never hear, right? And I thought, boy, that's the kind of something I'm keeping in the back of my mind for any future endeavors that I have in whatever space it might be that closing that communication loop is so critical for people there. And after we solidified the content component and we then moved to layout and the layout portion was again a partnership with our creative team and the LRN creative team, our final stop on the journey after that was getting our board's approval of our content. And then we actually shared the code during our annual training deployment that we do. And now we're getting ready to do ethics reinforcement week. So we are getting to ready to deploy the actual leader kind of training and conversation guide that we created as part of this and excited to have that reinforcement opportunity for our leaders and employees. Wow, that sounds fascinating. So I'm curious with the subject matter experts and the stakeholders, internal stakeholders, was there a difference in some people kind of understanding why you were maybe trying to make it less policy focused and more simple? Was there a difference in across the board how different people kind of viewed that? And did it take a while to get some people to kind of understand that? Absolutely. I I think it did. And I think that this is part of the evolution of just codes of ethics and compliance period across not just only you know, the utility industry, but just period that is occurring. For many years, and I can remember looking back at the first codes that we had too, it was a document that you might have needed to have a legal background to even understand, right? It was thick, it sat on the shelf, and it had all of kind of the prescriptive language of the do's and the don'ts. And we really wanted to make this something that people could use in the flow of work that covered, of course, our compliance-related things, but didn't use that as the lead and really tried to make this a more conversational, understandable document that people wouldn't really fear picking it up, thinking that it would be complicated to navigate or to get the information that I was looking for. So, you know, when you look at just the utility industry period, we're very compliance-based. So 
it's uh, small steps to get us to that place. But I think really all of my team and all of the stakeholders approached it with a really strong growth mindset. And we leaned into making some of those changes to create the great product that we have today. That's great. Yeah, I always say it takes a village to make a good code. So right. <laughs> it sounds like you uh, you pulled all the people together that you needed to. How did it come out? What are you most proud of when you look at your code? So there's so many different things that, first of all, it possibly is one of the most beautiful codes that I've ever seen. Literally, the visual components of it are striking. And that's all part of pulling you in, right? That is all part of pulling you into the user friendliness of the document is its appeal when you open that up. It's easy to navigate, right? We've got all kinds of built-in navigation. We utilize different modalities. So we've got videos that are in there. We've got other different links that we have, have built into the document. It's engaging. And so it's something that, as we put it on our internal intranet site, it's very easy to pull up and get to your answer in literally one to two clicks versus having to scroll through a document before. So not only is the content really rich, it speaks of us, right? It really represents who we are as APS, our values, what we call our APS promises thread through the entire document. So it has just kind of lifted all of the efforts that we are doing and pulling them together. Really good resource for our employees. Well, that's really good to hear. You know, that that's uh, kind of like the dream of what we want a code of conduct to do, you know, in this day and age. So I'm really glad to hear that. Finally, just to close it out, what advice do you have for other ethics and compliance teams who are thinking about updating their codes? You know, I think certainly what we look to achieve and we did is moving from a legal document to a guidebook for our employees and our leaders. And a code, from my perspective, can be one of the most powerful tools an organization can have to throttle success in the decision-making space and in laying out cultural expectations. And when I think of it from the eye of the employee, really from the user's point of view, that's what I want them to walk away with. You know, our business is changing so rapidly that what we used to think was okay from a refresh perspective, like every five years, that seems like an eternity now. So we have to be more willing to update, accept, and reflect the new ways of working and new work expectations. COVID certainly has has changed that component of it also. And I think what really made this the incredibly rewarding kind of experience that we had was the strong partnership that we had with your team, which makes really a overwhelming effort seem very achievable. And when you bring the experience that your team brought to the table, it really allows us to deliver strongly for our employees. Well, clearly this is a conversation we could be having for hours, but unfortunately we're out of time for today. Carmen, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Jim, thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure being here today. My name is Jim Walton, and I want to thank you all for listening to the Principled Podcast by LRN. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. 
At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.